Down to Business on News Talk. Sponsored by Bank of Ireland. Here to support your business as it keeps building for years to come with dedicated business teams. Now, my next guest has lived a very interesting life. He was the government appointed inspector into the two companies that were involved in the Telecom Air and Johnson Mooney on O'Brien saga in the early 90s. Prior to that, he spent the majority of his career uh, working on the legal side of high-profile liquidations and receiverships. Uh, he's a solicitor originally, and he joins me now. Mr. John Glacken, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Bobby. Now, John, as a legal man um, involved in some of these very high-profile uh, liquidations um, and receiverships, I, I take it you have a story to tell, and you tell that story in a new book that you've just written during lockdown. I'm told the book was inspired uh, by your diaries that you kept for a long time and your wife persuaded you to tell all. So what's the grand result of this? Okay, well, to go back to the beginning, when I retired from legal practice and from administration, sports administration, I found I didn't have an awful lot to do. And um, at the back of my mind, I had an interest in my ancestors, but never knew an awful lot about them. So I started, probably about 2016, I started trying to find out a bit about the life of my ancestors. Found it a bit difficult because th- there was no one source. It was I spent time down in the National Library looking at archives. And then my wife said to me, John, would you not think of making it a little bit easier for your descendants in case they might be interested in following up? So she said, would you write a book? Write, put down some of your stuff on, um, on paper. And I started doing that February 2020. Um, it was intended to be kind of a family record. And then cocooning occurred. <laughs> and I, I was, that was my project for cocooning. People did different things. Yeah. I just, what was a small book developed into more. And John, can I ask you this? Because you must have been somebody who kept good records and good, like, uh, you know, you talk about diaries. How, what level of detail were, were contained in these diaries? Well, initially, like I, my first diary was 1963. And there was very little in it because, you know, at 64, 60, every year I had a diary and they became more detailed as I got older. OK. You know, as I realised my memory was fading you know, from <laughs> about the age of 15 on. So. Anyway, and then I had my business diaries, which I'd kept, and I had a personal diary. Um, as, as the government appointed advisor on the legal side to some of these, what were very controversial liquidations... Um, is there certain things that you you were not free to talk about until now, or is there is there any revelations you can give us today that we didn't know about, say in the Johnson Mooney and O'Brien site in Balls Bridge? Well, if you remember that that there was a lot of publicity about that at the time, um, nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety three. That that lasted twenty months. When I Des O'Malley called me over, or his his assistant. Department Secretary called me over one day and said, uh, John, uh, I want you to do something for me. And I thought he was giving me a job, some investment, coming in, in, you know, investment, inward investment, and he was introducing me to some company. He said, no, I want you to do, deal with this. So it, he said, it'll take about, at max, six weeks. You'll be finished by uh, the, the, the bank holiday, October bank holiday weekend. So I said, fine. I had to get clearance from my partners. They said, yeah, okay. 20 months later, I was still at it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Exactly. Yeah, it just um, In the book, I give probably a little bit more than would have come out in the official reports, but I don't, I don't think I breach... I, I know I don't breach confidences, 
but I probably well as a legal man I'm sure you know? as a legal man I'm sure you're very aware of libel laws etc oh, so you're not you're not going to go anywhere where we don't want you to go in that sense absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like I'd be I'd be careful in that regard that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be happy with it yeah you know but uh, I think I was careful enough not to okay um you you were also involved in in rugby throughout your career and I suppose your love of rugby um, brought you in at a kind of an administrative level, mm. firstly in Clontarf, uh, then into Leinster. And you would have been somebody maybe who saw the transition from the uh, the amateur game to the professional, maybe more on the, on the amateur side of the pitch. Um, what are your thoughts about rugby over the last 25, 30 years? It's become more of a spectator sport. If you go back 25 years ago, it was, you know, people playing it thoroughly enjoyed it. And there might be half a dozen matches in the rest of the year that you'd go along and see. It's become very much a spectator sport. It's part of the entertainment business now. Mm. Um, But I enjoy it all the more. You know, it's the, the standard is just incredible. Like I just could, I could watch four matches in a row on television and just have a cup of coffee yeah. in between. You know, I just, I love it. I wasn't a great player. I was a much better administrator than I was a player. And I've said that a number of times. And, you know, how I ended up being president of Leinster, I'm yeah. not too sure. But anyway, the ball bounces your way sometimes. And, and do you think that there's been any, any sort of compromise or, or sellout to club rugby as a result of, you know, the success now of the, 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 the four provinces? Has that impacted club rugby? I would suggest it has. Absolutely. No, it has. There's no doubt about it. Clubs have had to adapt. Clubs became quite ambitious there in the, 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 from the time professionalism started, before the Celtic League started, um, and the provinces really became professional. But f- from the time rugby started going professional, mid-90s, the, um, the clubs became very ambitious. And a lot of clubs thought that they could provide professional teams. And some clubs got into financial difficulty trying mm. to do that. Um, others just pulled back their horns fast enough just to avoid uh, problems but some of the top clubs in the mid mid 90s you hardly hear of them now yeah, they're sort of junior clubs yeah. you know, I won't mention names but but yeah it has affected the amateur game and it was only those clubs who were sort of fleet footed and were able to sort of see what was coming and adapt to it very quickly they're the ones who've survived and are at the top you know let me go back to liquidations and receiverships mm-hmm. and again as somebody who's been on a journey and had a a stellar career in that arena um like are liquidations the same now as they were 20 years ago is it about you know liabilities exceeding assets not enough money in the bank uh unable to pay creditors like or have you seen that dynamic change with technology and give us your thoughts there to be honest with you bobby what has changed i think more is the fact that there's easier chance now of, of a company surviving because it goes into examinership. Yeah. And the courts try to... What, it used to be what we call Chapter 11 of the, of the US uh, Bankruptcy Code. Yeah. Um, and that has been adapted here. It was, it was coming in when I was still practising um, and doing insolvency. And we, you know, we, 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 we tried to push that. Yeah. Um, it's now fairly... And now we're uh, seeing like a, see a lot of them now, an examinership like light, you know, something that's exactly. suitable for smaller businesses. Because exactly. one of the problems with examinership was for a small business, it was always too expensive. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing was that the revenue took everything. 
Yeah. So the revenue, well, as the revenue tended to have um, the biggest uh, outstandings, but because they were priority or preferential creditors, anything that was there, they got. Yeah. And and others just. Yeah. So there's a lot of there was a kind of at times there was a kind of a knock-on effect. Yeah. You know that some some businesses that were fine but had a big customer, the customer got into difficulty, and then its client got into into difficulty. So there was, that was. I enjoyed it. It was it, it was always different. It was there was a lot of moving parts in it. Yeah. But there were times it felt sad. Oh, because it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of You see the human show. side of it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now the book is called The Glacken Report. My life of luck and law. The author is John Glacken. John, thanks for joining us this, this morning. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you.